Good morning. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb on Connecting Winnipeg once again this week. She will be back with us for a couple of weeks, starting next week. Here's the tweet that we're going to be talking about through the morning. Autumn is the nicest week of the year in Winnipeg. <laughs> That's from Brent Bellamy. He is uh, an architect, he's an urban commentator, and so much more. And he joins us from time to time and posted this tweet. I actually misquoted it, but um, that's the gist of it. Lovely picture. But uh, weird weather over the weekend. You got to experience some of it on uh, Saturday, which I'm guessing you were probably hoping for a nicer day uh, in spite of what occurred. It was a beautiful event, Brett. The weather did not cooperate. It certainly wasn't what we were promising you on Friday. Uh, We're just the messenger here, but I feel like I owe a lot of people an apology because I got a couple of different text messages. Mackling, you were saying it was going to be 21 and sunny. I listened to your show on Friday. What, What happened? I have no idea what happened. Can't tell you. There's no explanation. All I do know is that the weather did not matter. Uh, by about 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, uh, took my boys downtown to attend the unveiling of the Dale Howarchuk statue, along with uh, thousands of others who were there in honor of one of the most popular Jets of all time. And hats off to the Winnipeg Jets. They did it first rate, first class. When they unveiled that statue, breath, it actually took my breath away because I was not expecting there to be any color yeah. whatsoever in that statue. And that's what jumped out for me. I resisted the urge to have my iPhone uh, up in front of my eyes and to capture the moment in pictures or in video. I just wanted to take it in uh, without technology between myself and the statue. It was an emotional uh, 40 minutes or so. The presentation was amazing. But that that statue, well worth the wait uh, absolutely iconic. It's it's plain and simply stunning. You can see pictures on our Instagram, for example, at 680CJOB. Mackling posted some as well on his social media at GMACWPG if you want to have a look. And we're going to have more on the statue unveiling at 7.05, including some of the sounds from that event. Um, and then, of course, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Another good one. They just keep on rolling, Brett. 31-13 over Saskatchewan, and uh, the Blue Bombers now have secured a home playoff date. Derek Taylor will join us at 8.37, as he does pretty much every Monday morning, and we'll find out what the clinching scenario for first place and the ability and the honor to host that West Division final for a second straight season at IG Field. Find out what the Blue Bombers need to do. Edmonton comes to town this it's Thanksgiving weekend, is it not? It is. So this long weekend, uh, Saturday evening at IG Field, Edmonton comes to town. They've been playing much better lately, although they lost former Blue Bomber and they're probably, arguably, their best player, Kenny Lawler, uh, in their game over the weekend. So we'll speak with DT, find out about the Blue Bombers, their exploits, the fact that they are leading the league in average attendance, a fourth straight game with 30,000 fans or more, a second straight sellout. And Ed Tate and I, in our conversation, I don't think it was on the air, I think it was off the air, Ed was musing and wondering if the Blue Bombers have ever before led the CFL in average attendance. He's going to investigate that over the next couple of days and find out if we are uh, witnessing history on that front. Uh, who would normally be the leader, Saskatchewan? 
No, uh, typically Edmonton. They just have such a gigantic stadium. And so they can, you know, the Blue Bombers, even at a sellout, is 13,325 thereabouts. Uh, Yeah, Edmonton uh, just has been so brutal for so long that their average attendance has dropped. But when they are playing well and even playing average, they can uh, easily draw 40,000 to Commonwealth Stadium. Okay, so looking forward to find out how the Bombers are doing on that front, and we'll have more on the Bomber game on Friday and uh, sort of weekend sports review. Derek Taylor will join us at 8.35. Lots of stuff to give away today, by the way. We do have tickets for the Bomber game for this Saturday's game versus Edmonton, and we'll tell you at 6.45 how you can win those tickets. We also are going to give away a family four-pack of tickets for Boo at the Zoo We'll do that just after 7.50. And after 8.50, we are going to announce the grand prize winner for How Do You Take Your Eggs, a $250 gift card from Manitoba Egg Farmers. That's been an online contest at cjob.com. And by the way, at cjob.com, question of the day for... Hang on a second here. The sponsor is Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. We are asking about... National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Manitoba's progressive conservatives voted down a bill to make Orange Shirt Day a stat holiday. Should it be a provincial holiday? Interesting results here because at CJOB.com, we had 23% say yes, 77% say no. It should not be a provincial holiday. But a bit of the reverse on Twitter. 58% there said yes and 42% said no. I guess we're going to have to wait a, a, at least several mo- more months to find out if that happens. I mused uh, on Friday. I wondered if, in fact, this decision would be held over until f- after next year's provincial election with September 30th falling on a Saturday next year. I- I'm starting to believe that more and more the more I think about it, Brett, that this will be an election campaign issue and that situation will not be dealt with. Once again, my opinion only. Uh, that that this won't be uh, dealt with until the the next sitting of a government the when we go to the polls uh, next October I, I think that's when we will have a decision on this the earliest this uh, in my view could be a holiday 2024 yeah a lot of people were talking about that over the weekend about you know watching them clap their decision as they're wearing the orange shirts a lot of people saying you know so you vote down the holiday and then take the day yourself um so, yeah, you can still continue to weigh in at 204 780 You can still cast a vote on that question of the day. We are going to change that at some point this morning, but you can continue to weigh in right now at cjob.com. I had like a full-blown brain fart short circuit in that for in our opening segment. Yes. There was a moment where I was going to say something, and then I went, and... Uh, and I started looking sort of like puzzled at the wall. So you jumped in because you could tell that I was having some sort of a meltdown. <laughs> like, what was I going to say? Because we were talking about how the conservatives voted down to make Orange Shirt Day a stat holiday. The premier is going to be on our show this week, Wednesday at 7.50. So we'll have to be sure to ask the premier, what's the deal with voting down that bill? Correct. We'll find out, uh, you know, if... Consultations continue, and if the government is working towards making that happen prior to next 
fall's election. And we are going to tell you, by the way, how you can win yourself some bomber tickets for Saturday's game. In our next segment, we'll tee that up. But let's continue to discuss what happened on Friday because we want to take a few moments here to recap some of the things that happened Friday to mark the second National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. It was such a powerful day from a massive survivor's walk to something really great happening at the bomber game this past Friday. We'll get to that in two minutes. First... Thousands walked through the streets of downtown Winnipeg on Friday to mark the day. Global's Rosanna Hempel has more on that. In a powerful show of unity, thousands of people donning orange shirts began their march from the Forks to the RBC Convention Centre Friday morning. Their walk will end with a powwow to mark the second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. It feels comforting knowing that we have each other all of these people here gathered today. For Winnipegger Riley Brown, it's a day conflicted with many different feelings. It's been heartwarming to know that finally it's come to life, but this isn't the end. There's more, way more to be done. She's marching in honor of her mother, a Saskatchewan residential school survivor. It's, it's heartbreaking, honestly, from what we had to go through. Brown is wearing clothing her mother gifted her painted with hands representing the children who didn't make it home from residential schools. For Brown's mother, Michelle Oliver, this second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation isn't a celebration, but rather a gathering of remembrance. Oliver says she's uplifted by all the orange shirts across the city. It hits home, you know. For my people, we've come a long way. For others like Winnipegger and Favel, the moment is hard to take in. It's still overwhelming. Like, you know, I, I don't think you'll ever get over that feeling of knowing that there's so many people that went missing, so many children. Among the thousands are also first-timers like Terry Bowser. It's just good to see that so many people come out and that this is important to so many people. As the survivor's walk came to a close, it wasn't the end for Favel. It will never wrap up because um, this is for the generations to come also. It's not for the ones that we also that we lost. It's for the little ones that are here now. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. So following the march, that sea of orange in downtown Winnipeg converged at the RBC Convention Center for an orange shirt powwow. More than 4,000 people filled the convention center. And at one point, Brett, it was so packed that hundreds had to wait outside in line to get in. Now the Winnipeg Blue Bombers recognized that second day for truth and reconciliation in a big way on Friday night. You may have noticed several sections of Blue Bomber fans dressed all in orange. Exchange Income Corporation CEO Mike Pyle joined us on the pre-game show to outline the tremendous event they made happen for one thousand fans. We've been working with Wade for five or six years about bringing First Nations kids down to experience a Bombers game. And pre-COVID that meant one community, 40, 50 people a game throughout the year. Then we we lost a year, and then last year we decided we couldn't do it every game, so we did a, uh, a big one at the end of September. This year, because it falls on Reconciliation Day, the biggest we've ever done. There's over a 1,000 First Nations people from Manitoba, Inuit from Nunavut, northwestern Ontario, and you can see we've got them all in... It seems strange saying orange bomber gear. It seems like kind of an oxymoron, but they're all bright. And then we wanted to make sure TSN saw them. So this year we added the bright orange toques, which I think you can actually see from like the space shuttle. They're so bright. And so for us, it's about 
taking kids that would never have a chance to come to a bomber game. If you live in Chamatawa, a $600 plane ticket, the hotel, the tickets themselves, these kids never get a shot. Yeah. And so my favorite part of coming to the game when we bring the kids in is waiting outside the thing and seeing eyes. It's like mine, I think, the first time I landed in Las Vegas and saw that a hotel can be that big. It's kind of like Winnipeg <laughs> Stadium's like that if you're coming from the north. And so the opportunity to have these kids go back and then share what's available, what's yeah. possible. It's about kind of like sharing a dream. Wade's been phenomenal. A lot of people don't know that Winnipeg was the first pro franchise in any sport, in any league, to acknowledge that we were playing on First Nations land. Right. And this is kind of the extension of this. And I really want to thank Edmonton last year and now the Riders this year with the jerseys I'm wearing. Winnipeg's won. The Riders have got theirs. The names are actually, ours are in Ojibwe, mm-hmm. and the Riders are in Cree. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. so it, it's kind of cool. It's trying to make the things as much as inclusive as we can. Those orange warm-up jerseys are being auctioned for Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport Achievement Centers. Many of us know that as WASAC. And if you'd like the link to that, you can reach out to us or simply Google Blue Bombers Orange Jersey Auction. Now, the anthem was sung in Ojibwe by strong warrior girls, Anishinaabe singers, and at halftime, the Norman Chief Memorial Dancers graced IG Field with a magnificent performance. The group includes Kevin Chief, the founder of Wasak. And one of the officials, Brian Krupolo, was calling penalties in Ojibwe, and at halftime, Brett, I mistakenly reported that the calls were being relayed in Cree. It was, in fact, Ojibwe, just another level of inclusion there. Well done by everyone involved. So we want to thank you for joining us as well on Friday. It was uh, it was a really powerful day. We had some amazing, wonderful, inspiring conversations. And if you missed them, you can hear them in our podcast. Uh, you can just go to cjob.com to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we spoke with Michael Redhead Champagne, community activist. We spoke with community leader and in this context on Friday, author Sheila North about her memoir, My Privilege, My Responsibility. Uh, that conversation was at 9.35. Michael was at 9.05. If you'd prefer to go to the audio vault at cjob.com. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We have tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Elks this Saturday at IG Field. And I suppose, kind of fitting actually, we have tickets for the Edmonton Elks, considering the mixture of green and gold we are about to discuss on our trees right now, because Brent Bellamy tweeted over the weekend, (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, autumn in Winnipeg is the nicest week of the year. Brent Bellamy, by the way, for those who don't know, who's Brent Bellamy, Greg? He's an architect. He's a big fan of Winnipeg. He's an urbanist. And I think he opens the eyes uh, for a lot of people to uh, the beauty of our city and also the challenges all at the same time. And this tweet was a nice mixture maybe of both things, a a celebration and a little bit of of a... chuckle at the expense of the the city we call home yeah because look he's right it's uh, it is such a nice time of year but uh, it also made me sad because you know he's right once the leaves start turning they turn fast and then they're gone so let's have a conversation about what's your favorite short-lived tradition and keep it clean lol Maybe some jokes about short, you know. <coughs> short and sweet? Yeah, uh, keep it clean. <laughs> and it could be a time of year or maybe like, uh, I don't know, 
food? Well, they're in. What's it? The Mackinac peaches, Jerry. The Mackinac peaches. Uh. <laughs> Mackinac peaches. Oh, Jeff Bronier, the Seinfeld uh, expert here. How long were the Mackinac peaches good for? Do you remember that? I think just. I think just two weeks a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Never had a Mackinac peach, by the way. I wonder if they're, they're, they're worth the hype. But, Jeff Brown, why don't we start with you? What, what would your topic be here? I wonder if they're even real because Seinfeld was not afraid to just make stuff up. So <laughs> Fair. It might not even be a thing. Uh, for, no, I agree with Brent Bellamy. It's, it's the, the one week of autumn that we get. Uh, we went for a walk on Saturday afternoon and, or Saturday morning in Assiniboine Forest, and it was just lovely. And both Kim and I said, well, this is nice now. Well, the, the, the foliage is happening. But it's also not too cold yet, and you know snow hasn't started falling yet. So this time of year is just uh, just kind of the perfect time. If you have to say goodbye to summer, at least uh, we get a little bit of you know the nice way of easing into the colder weather. Indeed, because Saturday turned out to be a garbage day. It was cold. It was in my, in my jacket and pants at the golf course at Kingswood. It was cold. It was damp. It was cloudy. And then yesterday, same went back to Kingswood, and I was in uh, short sleeves and shorts. It was beautiful yesterday, and I'm wearing shorts again today, so it's going to be another nice day, hopefully. What about you, Mr. Poitras? Uh, the CFL playoffs. You know, you have this huge, you know, long regular season, how many ever weeks it is. Uh, how many is it, actually? The 21 weeks, and then all of a sudden, like, you go through a whole entire season, and you know what, if your team does very well, like the Bombers, very likely – you know, they'll only have two playoff games and it's gone in three weeks and that's it. And in in complete contrast to the NHL postseason, which in my opinion, this is just my humble opinion, lasts way too long. Uh, but uh, it's it's nice. It's over three weeks. And but but I, I love CFL playoffs. And uh, yeah, I have to I have to go with that. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. I was wondering if you, Greg would take it in a sportsing direction. What about you, Greg? No, not a sportsing direction. It's the, all the hype around Christmas. There's already Christmas stuff in the stores. I haven't seen it, but I've seen pictures of it. I saw it yesterday. Did you really, Cam? I did. Uh, Did your heart uh, sink a little bit when you saw it? I just think it's just ridiculous, but that's just me. No, you're not alone in that. I think it's ridiculous as well to have it in the stores before November 11th, I believe, is very disrespectful, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Before before Canadian Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's terrible. It's before Halloween. It's before Thanksgiving. Uh, Give me a break. Anyway. Yeah, just the whole hype around Christmas. And as a parent, of course, you're always searching for that perfect gift for your child. And so, you know, you're saving money, you're putting money aside, you're trying to find that exact right item. And then, of course, when they open it up on Christmas morning, it's like, ah, thanks, Dad. Is there anything else? (laughs) Yeah. Like the reaction never, ever meets up to the hype. And so... For that reason, I'm choosing Christmas morning. Yeah, all that work and all that time for what is basically over in a couple of hours on Christmas morning. And I I remember that feeling, thinking, that's it? So, like, what do we do now? Um, What about you, Jeff Forte? You know what? I'm going to go off what Greg just said, but Halloween. I just don't feel that we get to celebrate Halloween. Like, Christmas some reasons like a two-month thing and halloween some sometimes it only just feels like it's two weeks and then all of a sudden boom it's gone yeah and it just it doesn't seem fair like uh i think the whole month of october should be strictly halloween scary movies frightening things 
It's just, it, it seems like it goes by way too fast. Well, when I was a kid, October 1st was basically the, uh, the, the starting gun for that. We would start doing Halloween stuff in class here and there. I don't know. I just, you see I, the pumpkins feel, out there? I feel like uh, even some TV channels, they don't start showing horror movies till like the last 13 days. They call it like the 13 days of Halloween. It's like, no, make it the whole month. Well, you should do your own thing. You could start watching scary movies DVD. tonight. Yeah, you have a DVD player, don't you, Jeff? It's Blu-ray. Oh, it's Blu-ray. Well, there Come you on. go. Not DVD. Oh, uh... We're not going with DVD here. A <laughs> 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 Christmas gift by chance, Jeff? Well, a Christmas gift to myself. Yeah. Well, what? Okay. So, what? If you were to start watching a scary, scary movies today, like thirty-one days of scary movies, or I guess at this point it'd be twenty-nine. But uh, what would you start with? Start with the classics like uh, Halloween, nineteen seventy. What year did it come out? The one with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Start off with that. You know, get a little uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, little uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Start off with the classics, then I uh, work yourself up to you know the newer ones. Some of the newer horror movies I find are more. More scary than the the earlier stuff. Yeah. Uh, the new Halloween, by the way, Halloween Ends comes out on October 14th. Um, if you look anxious for that. Uh, for me, it, uh, in terms of time of year, I like, uh, I've got a row of cherry blossom trees outside my apartment building. And when they, the first time I saw them come spring to life in the spring, I was just blown away at how beautiful it is. I, like I fe- when I, I went down and, and just sort of walked underneath them, I felt like I was in Middle Earth or something. I just I had never quite because I think I'd seen them passing by in the car or whatever, but I'd never been up close and personal, and it was just so wonderful. But they, like seven days tops and gone. They're still they're still nice trees. The leaves are kind of like. A, like a dark red, even purplish mm-hmm. hue, but with the blossoms come to life. It's just so beautiful. Uh, or it could be a fragrance like lilacs. That's mm. a time of year that's lovely. Oh, yeah, that's nice, yeah. That's you, a mixed blessing for you, eh, Big Gary? Yeah, because I got to stop and take a sniff, and then, I, and then I spend the next 10 minutes sneezing. It's sort of one of those, yeah. well, do I really want to do this? Yes, I do. A <laughs> risk-reward. <laughs> so 204-780-6868, your favorite short-lived tradition. And Jeff Braun, um, in terms of autumn and the cold weather, are you still wearing shorts? Like I think I saw pictures of you out, uh, out and about over the weekend. Are you still wearing shorts? Or is Braun gone? I guess he's gone. Okay, he's getting I, I saw him with a gone. hoodie. He had a hoodie gonna, on. I was wondering if he's drinking that peach uh, uh, hot tea that he likes. <laughs> Well, this Mackinac peach thing, I can't, I, it, it seems to be real. Like on Seinfeld, they, they, they say that they're from Oregon, but there seems to be a Mackinac peach that's uh, grown in, in Michigan, as you might otherwise expect. So it uh, seems to be a real deal, but maybe not with that same window of, of tastiness. Like uh, Darren, for example, sent us a picture of a tree out in Toulon, and he oh. says, this tree looks like this for two days a year. <laughs> it's just this explosion of pink. It's stunning. Yeah, that is magnificent. But indeed, I, and I, I guess that's probably a cherry blossom tree as well. But yeah, the colors are explosive for just a few days and then gone. Which makes me sad. So it's sort of like this lovely, it's like bittersweet. It's like, oh, spring is officially here. The trees have come alive, but this one won't stay this way for much longer. So. Would you call that fuchsia? Like what shade of pink is that? It's Whoa. incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful Good. shade of pink. I would just say pink, but uh, 
<laughs> you know, like when you you get these car names where they say, "Oh, it's uh, sandblasted white," or. Uh, Gunmetal gray. Gunmetal gray. That's a, one of our vehicles is gunmetal gray. Yeah. it's To me, it's just, it's white, it's pink, it's gray, whatever. <laughs> I got mad at MPI one. Where's gunmetal gray? Where's the option for gunmetal gray? Gray just doesn't do it justice. <laughs> uh, so we'll pick a winner at 9.15. Will it become downtown Winnipeg's new meetup place? A passion project over two years in the making. A monument to honor an adopted Winnipeg son was unveiled to the public late Saturday afternoon. Dale Howard, Chuck facing Canada Life Center to the north. Right arm outstretched with the stick in full stride. Left arm holding off an opponent. It is an absolutely beautiful piece of work. You wanted me to make sure, because we had talked about this, for all you guys to be here today, to be a part of this, it's very special for him. I know to you, he wasn't just your captain. He was one of you. You do not appreciate how great a player and how great a teammate he is unless you get a chance to play with him. The best kept secret this league. He was the best coach I've ever had, but he was an even better human. I feel that Dale's greatest accomplishment is Mary Crystal. As you remember Dale today, our family will always remember you, and now he is home again here in Winnipeg. Thank you. With the help of many former teammates, the statue to honor longtime Winnipeg Jet Dale Howarchuk is, in my opinion, Brett, simply stunning. The fact there is color in the bronze statue was a complete surprise to many, myself included. The Jets actually sourced out replicas of the equipment Howarchuk wore during his time with the with the Jets to help the sculptor Eric Blom be as accurate as possible in his depiction of Hockey Hall of Famer Howard Chuck. Blom has created several iconic statues, including works for works of art featuring Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. And the unveiling event was hosted flawlessly by Sarah Orleski. It featured speeches from Chris King, who now works for the NHL head office. Longtime teammate and friend Scott Arneal, current Jet and former protege Mark Shifley, Mark Chipman, and Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey, Brett, played for the Edmonton Oilers amongst other teams, and and he was one of my favorite players and a player that I absolutely hated all at the same time because he was just so good. He was a Jet killer at times, and Coffey told stories from the Canada Cup in 1987 where the two were teammates. He spoke of the Heritage Classic alumni game and said out loud, that the only reason the Howard Chuck-led Jets never won the Stanley Cup was because the Oilers got in the way. He proclaimed the Jets made the Oilers better. It was uh, a terrific speech, terrific presentation overall, but Coffee's words really resonated with me, and Dale's wife, Crystal, ensured there wasn't a dry eye within earshot as she relayed Dale's never-ending affection for Winnipeg and Manitoba. Dale's children and parents also made the journey it was an amazingly perfect, executed event, and this statue is an incredible addition to the landscape of our city. How did it feel for you to be there with your boys? It was, uh, it was terrific. I obviously could have um, attended the event as a member of the media. I chose not to do that. I wanted to be with my kids who never saw Howard Chuck play but have heard the stories, and it's just one more thing now that that connects 
me with my kids, my kids with my dad, my kid with my brothers, all those memories told and shared, uh, relived over the weekend, bumped into people that, you know, from the West End that, you know, we used to go to Jets games and, and watch Howard Chuck play. And so, of course, we shared stories and my kids were listening intently. And yeah, it just ties so nicely. And, and Mark Chipman said it just that it, it sews and, and ties together those different eras of the of the Winnipeg Jets in the National Hockey League that were separated by 16 years. It, it really shrinks that, that time frame that the NHL was gone from Winnipeg. And what's this about uh, the, the Howard Chuck... Uh, were, were people were they they touching? Was it the skate or the stick? Is this a, like a for good luck kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, one of our uh, listeners and uh, someone uh, pointed out on Twitter that she had noticed somebody, uh, a few people touching the the tip of the the stick, and so it was reminiscent of you know what happens with the Timothy Eaton statue, which limited access now because of where it sits in the on the second level in the Skywalk at True North uh, or True North Arena at Canada Life Centre. Boy. Um, and so it had me wondering and a few people wondering, like, is that going to be the next meetup spot? Like, I'm, did you ever once say, oh, I'll meet you at the no. Eaton statue? No, you're that wrong era, I guess. That was a popular meeting spot when I was a kid because everybody knew where it was on that main floor of Eaton's. Yeah, we'll meet you there and then we'll go. We'll, we'll make our way to wherever we're going in downtown. Well, feel free to weigh in. If you were at the event on Saturday, we'd love to know what you thought of what went down. And you can see pictures on our social media, 680CJOB, as well as on Greg's social media at GMACWPG. Also, just wanted to give a he- uh, say hello to Donna Devins, who sent us an email this morning to brett at CJOB.com. Hi, guys. Listening from Cairo, Egypt today. There's a group of Winnipeggers here for a tour. Absolutely marvelous. Thank you for uh, saying good morning. Thank you, Donna. Hope you're having a wonderful time. Say hello to the entire group on our behalf. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Before we remind you how you can win yourself some bomber tickets, uh, we got lots of feedback on the Dale Howarchuk statue. Gord says, I met at the Eaton statue back in the day. At the Howarchuk statue, I noticed people touching many parts of the statue, including the left toe. I had my grandsons and I touched the toe as that is truly like the Eaton statue. Maybe in a few years, Dale's toe will be shiny as well. So keep your text messages coming on the unveiling. What you think of the statue? 204-780-6868. Bomber tickets up for grabs for Saturday's game against Edmonton. We're asking you about your favorite short-lived traditions, like things that you look forward to every year, even though it's kind of a short-lived situation like uh, autumn. It's a beautiful season. The leaves are starting to turn. It's wonderful, but it always... The leaves turn colors and then bang, they're gone. And uh, Rob... And if Rob texting on something that uh, I just, I just, <laughs> I don't get it. And I'll, I've got a story with this. Rob says my short-lived tradition is fantasy hockey drafting. You wait all year for that night for it to end in two hours, and sometimes it only lasts five minutes. The anticipation while sitting in front of the computer. 20 minutes before draft time, praying you will get first pick overall and finding out you pick last. What a letdown. I don't do any of the fantasy sports stuff. And uh, this is not a criticism. I just don't get it. Like yesterday I was golfing with my buddies, Brandon and AJ, and AJ's always smiling, laughing, joking around, but he was glued to his phone all day following what was happening in the NFL. And why? Because he was checking to see how his fantasy was doing and his gambling. 
It's it's ridiculous the way you get addicted to that. I've been in a hockey pool with some buddies from BC. And I think I told you a couple weeks ago. It's the first thing I check when I get up in the morning. Before Twitter, before the weather, before my email. How'd I do in fantasy last night? It's it's a sad, sad addiction. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd call it that. I mean, okay. Okay, for me it is. Okay. I mean, it's because I'm always sad after <laughs> I check. 204-780-6868. The short-lived things that you look forward to all year long. Bomber tickets up for grabs at 915. So we've been talking about the popularity of pickleball for several years on this program. And I'm excited for this conversation because I got to be honest, I I have never seen it. But I understand that there are more and more places in the city where you can play it. And um, I'm really curious to try that. I got to try this game. Okay. So the story, this story we're about to share with you is the final straw. It, it just kind of said, okay, enough is enough. We're going to find out more about this sport. This from CBS News last week. NBA stars LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Draymond Green have bought into a major league pickleball team. This was an announcement from the league Wednesday. That's right, Brad. I said major league pickleball. What if our 20 by 40 foot bounds didn't hold us in, but made us feel more free? What if nothing could contain our passion? Finding anywhere to play, any excuse to stay. Every chance to watch it and more ways to build it. Even when things get tough, we just can't help ourselves. If this was a stock tip... I really blew it because my father-in-law told me 16 years ago that pickleball was going to be the next big thing, and I sort of sort of laughed at him. The MLP said <laughs> the league is expanding from 12 to, to 16 teams. The league plans to have all its players compete in six tournaments across the country for more than $2 million in prize money next year. So pickleball has become the fastest-growing sport in the United States with 48 Million players across the country in 2021. That's a 15% increase from 2020. And a majority of participants identify as casual players. So how popular is pickleball in Canada? The executive director of Pickleball Canada is Carla Anderson, who joins us now live. Carla, good morning. Good morning. So how, how popular? You? We're doing great. Thank you very much for joining us to talk about this. And because we, we want to know from you, how popular is this game in Canada? Well, it's funny. I'd read the article, of course, but I hadn't heard that clip. Uh, so that was quite interesting to start. Um, it is extremely popular. And I love how, of course, the Americans uh, uh, promote it uh, more than we do at this point because we're quite young. We were only incorporated in uh, 2011. Pickleball Canada was. Um, but our numbers are actually higher than the Americans' numbers. So um, comparing to the U.S., they have a bit... 2.6%, we have about 2.6% of Canadians playing pickleball right now. And that, actually, that was, we did a survey, a national research company did a survey for us in January of this year. And at that time, we had 2.6% uh, of Canadians playing pickleball, and the Americans had 1.2% playing. Um, and um, we, it's quite interesting because we had 
done a similar uh, survey the year before. And I can tell you in terms of numbers, uh, the data showed that in uh, January of 2021, we had about 350,000 Canadians playing pickleball. In January of 2022, we have over a million people wow. playing pickleball in Canada. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, so 4.8 million players across uh, the United States in 2021. We always do the uh, times 10 thing, and so or divide by 10 in this uh, circumstance, 4.8 would translate into 480,000 or so in Canada, and you've got double that. So it's clearly a popular sport here. For those that don't know, Carla, uh, tell us about the game of pickleball. What is it? Well, it's it's quite an interesting game. You've probably heard the history in that it did start in the States, and um, it's actually the fastest-growing sport in North America. Um, and some are saying well, worldwide. I have been in the sport community. I've worked in the sport community since um, 1987. And I can tell you, I cannot ever remember a sport exploding like Pickleball Canada is, uh, like Pickleball in Canada is. And so it's it's a range of people. Of course, everyone thinks that Pickleball is for, you know, the 55 age group or older and with the survey again that we did the fastest growing population of players in Canada is the 18 to 34 year olds um, back to the survey so one of the questions we asked is why are you playing pickleball and um, there were 62 percent reporting that the primary reason is it's fun um, and it's also um, uh, the next uh, answer was that it's the social aspect. It's it's getting them out. It really exploded over COVID because it was one of the few sports that you could go outside and play all summer long. Um, and then in the provinces that you can play outside in the winter, it was still going then. So it is a combination of um, a sport. It's truly a sport for all for life. So you've got those that um, in that clip, I, I can't remember what he called the the. the the casual players we call them recreation players um but there is a big population within canada who are tournament players so they are going around the country or around their province and they're playing in tournaments especially in the summer um every weekend and so it it really is they say it's a combination of um badminton uh table tennis and um, tennis, um, and and one of the things that um, I've heard, I've heard some great quotes over this past year or so, and one is that it's it's kind of like golf; it's easy to learn and difficult to master. So then you've got the easy to learn people that are having a great time, first time trying. I haven't heard one person that tried it and thought, oh my God, I'm horrible, or I hated that sport. It's always like, well, that was fun, I want to try it again. And then um, and then we have those that are just very competitive. And then, of course, we have those that are in the pros. And we do have Canadians in that pro, uh, the pro leagues. There's actually two in the in the States, um, two different organizations. They're much bigger into the large tournaments than we are in Canada. But again, I said, as I mentioned, we're quite young compared to them. So um, that's the direction we'll be going as well. So the fact then that there is now a pro league, do you think that this is going to propel the game to new heights like and maybe potentially further impact the age of players? Well, this is actually the, the Americans' third pro league. We've had Canadians playing in the pro leagues in the States for, for years now. And um, it's just, it, it's quite 
um, hard to understand how the celebrities in the in the states are just jumping in on this. Um, there's even a TV show coming up um, that uh, Stephen Colbert is involved in. It's ha- putting uh, celebrities together um, to learn how to play pickleball, and of course, it's a, a comedy at the same time. <laughs> Colbert uh, jumped on the curling uh, craze back uh, back a b- couple. Of, yeah, I do. So uh, Colbert uh, is famous yeah. for this. Yeah, he actually did a great equestrian before one of the Olympics, too. He he learned how to ride a horse, and it was dressage. So, yeah, he's jumped on this bandwagon as well. Carla, we've quickly run out of time here, but we'll have to have you yeah. back and uh, learn okay. more about this game and do some more investigating. We really appreciate your insight and making time for us this morning. Fascinating stuff. Thank you, and I hope you try it soon. Can't wait to try it. I just got to find a place to play it, and off we go. Carla Anderson is the executive director of Pickleball Canada. And regarding that Stephen Colbert show that she was talking about, yeah, it, uh, it's going to be a two-hour primetime special to air on CBS and on uh, Paramount Plus this year. It's Primetime special. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, a pickleball tournament. This is fantastic. Dad, uh, if you're listening this morning, uh, I was wrong about pickleball. I, I just didn't see this picking up the way it has. Have you ever played it? 204-780-6868. Because, um, yeah, this is, this is growing in popularity. I was uh, speaking with someone recently who says that, that a pickleball court went up right behind his home. He's got a park right oh, behind yeah? his place. Like he can just walk out of his backyard and into this park and play pickleball. So I, I'd love to just, like, if I'm out for a walk one day, I'd like to just walk by and, and watch some people play this game because you can walk by tennis courts and whatnot. Sure. But I, I don't know where to go to play pickleball in Winnipeg. Somebody uh, listening this morning does. 204-780-6868. Where can Brett and I go and watch pickleball? I know we can watch it indoors at Bronx Park. Oh, yeah? They have uh, pickleball there during the week. I think it's Tuesday that uh, my pops plays. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I also like how she pointed out, um, you know, no one play who picks up a uh, pickleball says, Oh, I'm terrible at this. I'm horrible. That's what you do when you play golf. She referenced <laughs> golf. That's every single time I, I hit a bad shot. I hate this game. I hate myself. Why am I here? Golf really is a good way to be frustrated and down on yourself for four and a half hours at a time. <laughs> It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Mr. Mackling, who is going to join us at 8.35? We are going to talk football with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. We're going to talk about the Blue Bombers, the Ottawa Red Blacks, Edmonton Elks, and the Miami Dolphins, and more specifically the National Football League, I think admitting that it blew it a couple of weeks ago when it came to the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback and whether or not he should have been allowed in a game after he got knocked out of a game this past Thursday night. We'll boil all that down and dissect it for you coming up in about a half hour's time. And we are also giving away bomber tickets at 9.15. We're asking you about the short-lived traditions, the, the things that you look forward to every year, but they don't really last all that long. Like autumn, this is a beautiful time of year. The leaves are turning colors, but uh, before we know it, they're going to be gone. And um, Liz, for example, says, I'm going with Christmas for my favorite time of the year. You take so much time to prep for that day. All the baking involved, the prepping, decorating, the turkey, the fixings, and then you blink and it's over. 
And this is why I put my tree up after Remembrance Day and take it down New Year's Day so I can hold on to Christmas as long as I can. And that actually ties into our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And this was based on Greg's observations in recent days, Christmas decorations and paraphernalia are starting to pop up more and more in stores. When's the right time for stores to start putting out Christmas stuff? Early October is fine. After Halloween, Mm -mm. after Remembrance Day, Mm -hmm. December 1st. Castervotecjob.com. So you're 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 voting for after remembrance. Day. Always have, always will. That's uh, I understand retail and and they're trying to make sure that you buy as much stuff as early as possible. They're trying to capitalize on our love affair with Christmas, uh, but uh, I just for me that magic cutoff date has always been November twelfth. All right, cast your vote. Cjob dot com. Now we talk about sleep a lot on this show. Partially motivated, no doubt, by the fact that on this show, while we love it, we just don't get enough sleep. Uh, I did it to myself again last night. I stayed up to watch House of the Dragon and didn't go to bed till 10.30. And then I woke up this morning and thought, why do you do this to yourself? But also, you know, we talk about it because it's an important reminder from time to time. Because we're all busy and we often sacrifice our sleep to accommodate those busy schedules. And Greg, over the weekend, you spotted quite the stark headline as it pertains to sleep. I did. And if you don't get enough sleep, perhaps this this next few minutes will entice you or be an incentive for you to do something about it. So here's the headline. Here's the title. How not getting enough sleep is in all caps, killing you. That's from sleep scientist Matt Walker, who in a recent TED Talk discussed how the link between lack of sleep and cancer is now so strong that the World Health Organization has classified any form of nighttime shift work as a possible carcinogen. Here's more of what he had to say. The shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. The decimation of sleep throughout industrialized nations is having a catastrophic impact on our health, our wellness, even the safety and the education of our children. It's a silent sleep loss epidemic, and it is fast becoming one of the greatest public health challenges that we face in the 21st century. The disruption of deep sleep is an underappreciated factor that is contributing to cognitive decline or memory decline in aging and most recently we've discovered in Alzheimer's disease as well. There's a structure that sits on the left and the right side of your brain called the hippocampus. It's very good at receiving new memory files and then holding on to them. Yet in those people who are sleep-deprived, we actually couldn't find any significant signal whatsoever. Without sleep, the memory circuits of the brain essentially become waterlogged, as it were, and you can't absorb new memories. Matt Walker also says, Brett, we've since discovered that a lack of sleep will even erode the very fabric of biological life itself, impacting your DNA genetic code. So here in this study, they took a group of healthy adults and they limited them to six hours of sleep a night for one week. And then they measured the change in their gene activity profile relative to when those same individuals were getting a full eight hours of sleep a night. And there were two critical findings. First, a sizable and significant 711 genes were distorted in their activity caused by a lack of sleep. The second result 
was that about half of those genes were actually increased in their activity, genes associated with the promotion of tumors, genes associated with long-term chronic inflammation, and genes associated with stress, and as a consequence, cardiovascular disease. Walker goes on to say there is simply no aspect of your wellness that can retreat at the sign of sleep deprivation and get away unscathed. If you want to see the full clip, just shoot us a text and we'll send you the link for that. Again, that's sleep scientist Matt Walker. And this might seem like one of those kind of obvious reminders, like, uh, oh, so if I want to be healthy, I got to get more sleep. Well, no kidding. Or if mm. I, you know, I want to lose weight, well, it's about diet and exercise. Yeah, we know that, but... I didn't know this. The impact. Yeah. Like to rewrite your, or to have an effect on your genetics? And he actually shows in this talk, Brett, a a graphic or a a visual of the hippocampus and and it not working and it not firing in the aftermath of not getting the proper amount of sleep. That's just in one week, six hours. So how many of us, how many of you listening this morning run on five, six hours sleep on the regular, have been doing it forever, for, have been doing it for a long time. If you think this is a, a non-issue, I, I, you know what? I think it's time we really wake up to the fact that this is going, this is serious stuff. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago for the first time and trying to get this, make this a routine, but for the first time I got to bed uh, at, for at least a six hour sleep every night and I felt great. But then I fell back into my usual, I'll stay up till 9, I'll stay up till 10. Oh, no, it's 11 o'clock. I guess I should go to bed. Routine is one of the things that he says. He says, in fact, that's the biggest thing is routine, whether it's the weekend or weekdays, to go to bed at the same time all the time. That's a challenge when you're working shift work. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. In a moment, we're going to talk football with DT, but we just want to give you a heads up that just over three weeks from now, we go to the polls to send a message about what we want to see at City Hall. So every Tuesday and Thursday in the lead up to the election, we are going to speak to a number of mayoral candidates on various topics, things like transit, crime, homelessness and housing, roads, active transportation, the future of downtown and tomorrow, What are we focusing on tomorrow, Mr. Mackling? We're going to talk about derelict buildings and the impact that they have, not only on our neighborhoods, but our economy, how safe you feel within your neighborhood. And we will have three mayoral candidates join us throughout the morning. Rana Bakari at 7.15, Sean Loney at 7.45, and Kevin Klein at 8.35. And so you can sort of set... Your calendars, if you're intent on figuring out who to vote for, we're going to be having these conversations at the same time on the same days for the next three weeks. I was just walking by, um, I was walking down Grosvenor Avenue yesterday, and I can't remember between which block this is, but uh, on the north side of the street, it's, uh, it's, well, I can tell you that it's east of Stafford. That, that's about as close as I can pinpoint it. But there's an open lot next to an apartment or a condo complex, and it's kind of ugly. It's an eyesore. But I was thinking if that, I think I'd rather have just a flat eyesore than an empty house that who's being occupied by who knows who. I would concur with you on that, Brett. Uh, You know, the city of Winnipeg doesn't like to issue demolition permits until there's a building permit in place. In some circumstances, I think you could argue the exactly what you just did, the open lot 
would be much better than a building awaiting uh, demolition in order for a new project to uh, come in and take its place. So much to discuss tomorrow on that. And once again, every Tuesday and Thursday in the lead up to the election right here on 680 CJOB. In the meantime, let's talk some football because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers locked up a home playoff game with their 31 to 13 victory over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And why wouldn't the team covet a home playoff game? Yeah, the third win in the month of September for the Great Cup champs over Saskatchewan. Two straight home game sellouts. This from Ed Tate at BlueBombers.com. Four straight crowds over 30,000, averaging 29,500 fans and leading the league in attendance. Ed and I were discussing on Friday whether or not Winnipeg has ever led the CFL in attendance. We both believe this would be a first if the season ends this way. Here's Winnipeg Blue Bomber linebacker Adam Bighill on how connected the community is to this team. The support we get here in Winnipeg is incredible. You know, the energy that you know, we've been able to bring back to the city and, and, the, and the pride has been so much fun to see evolve. And um, I just want to keep bringing that energy for, for the city, for the, for the province. I mean, so many people, you know, are just so hyped about what we're doing right now and what we have done. And it's fun. A lot of people want to be a part of it. Joining us now, the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, gentlemen. So how critical is that home field advantage for the blue and gold? Well, the, the biggest one would be getting the West Final, right? Because you, you need to eliminate a game, and especially in this in this West Division, because Calgary is for real. Like, Calgary is a really good team. BC is probably the third best team, even as currently constituted. So the fact that, one, you get the game at home, and two... You only have to play one of those teams to get back to the Grey Cup. Enormous. So, one, they've secured the home game. That's great. Uh, one more win, and they should be good for just hosting the West Final. And that fan interaction, that crowd, that crowd noise does have a genuine impact. And I think it's just not just the noise, Derek, the atmosphere, but that connection Big Hill outlined in that clip we played. That connection between this team and its fans was on full display after the game. I know you're busy doing the post-game show with Doug Brown, but I'm sure you're witnessing the fans on the field and the players that come back out or stay out and sign autographs, take pictures with the players. That That is something very special that, that builds long-term relationships, and, and it warms my heart. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of the things that we love the CFL for, right, is that you can, you know, get – get close to the players even i mean even literally in cases like that right these guys are they're so normal as opposed to you know someone worth you know a couple hundred million dollars may not be as as normal and is willing to throw an arm around you for a post-game photo things like that it's it's one of the real charms of the cfl and and yeah for the for the players you just have to believe that you know that that they do feel that that love um Man, they're there to celebrate. When Evan Hall makes the game-ending interception and the whole stadium freaks out, tell me he wasn't just in love with with that feeling, right? No doubt. Jacked uh, to the max there. Edmonton comes to town Saturday. Derek, I know the record doesn't say much right now, but are, are they looking better overall? Uh, better than what, I guess, is the question I have for you <laughs> on that one. Um, versus the team, I think that uh, Saskatchewan played all the way back in early, early part of the season. I would say they are better because they figured out some players in important spots. 
But just listening to our, our colleague Morley Scott and Dave Campbell call that game on 6.30 Chad on the weekend, Edmonton is still a bad football team. They're still, I mean, they twice had the ball inside the five-yard line uh, and didn't come away with a touchdown either time. They threw a pick six from their from the five-yard line, a 105-yard pick six, which is an incredible feat that I just don't know how often that can possibly happen. So uh, they've, they've secured, honestly, they're probably at – uh, they have a really good running back and three really good receivers at this moment, but they struggle to find the uh, players in in other spots so far. So, yeah, it's they're playing they're playing probably the worst or second worst team in the CFL. However, uh, we saw in that game and we heard this weekend they got a quarterback that can make plays out of nothing, uh, even if he's going to make nothing out of some plays as well. So uh, it's it's they'll definitely be ready for it and the chance to secure that fourteenth win. That'll be pretty big for the Bombers. Talking to Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here on 680 CJOB. And Derek, former Blue Bomber offensive coordinator Paul Lapalise was relieved of his head coaching duties in Ottawa following a loss in BC. Why now? Good question as to as to why now. Um, because we, we all kind of felt it was coming just with decisions he made and how Ottawa has looked and problems they've had with personnel. Yeah, to do it this late, I guess they felt, you know, you just have to, you just, there's a point where you just have to jump and try to salvage the last few games of the season to put you on good footing for next season. Whether there's any strategy or there's any realism to that, who, who knows whatsoever. But, uh, it, it's just, it's been so bad for, for Ottawa the last bunch of weeks with which quarterback are we going to work with? Why am I sticking with this quarterback? Why the the one that people will point to, I think, forever was in last week's game where at the end of half, Ottawa was just kneeling the ball down. So they kneeled the ball down to let the clock expire. They had to do it one more time because there'd be zeros on the clock and you got to run a play. Lapolis called a timeout and his players were just befuddled. Like, why would you call a timeout here? There are zeros on the clock. We just have to kneel it down. And he kind of yelled at the quarterback to get back out there to go back and kneel down. And he went, there's, there's no logic to that whatsoever that, that makes any sense or is of any value. And you just go, oh, that's, that's a coach who's kind of lost the plot and perhaps lost the, the team as well. And maybe it's just easier to – we have a coach in Bob Dice uh, who, you know, Winnipeg's finest, who has, you know, stewarded the team through, through tough times before. Let's go with Bob to the end of the season and then regroup for next year. Yeah, and they're still averaging over 21,000 fans a game. The, the fans in Ottawa have been incredibly oh. patient and supportive, and I think they had to send a message to the, their faithful, to their fans, to say, we understand this is unacceptable and, and we're going to work to change it. Lots of conversation around that. Real quick here, Derek, although sure. it's an extended conversation in my mind. Did the NFL finally admit that their concussion concussion protocol is lacking teeth? They announced on Saturday they have plans to change the league's concussion protocol following the head and neck injuries suffered by Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Well, it's it's awful that it happened to him, and this one was bad. They took him off on a stretcher on Thursday night's game. They fired, the NFLPA fired the independent neurotrauma consultant, so head doctor, uh, that that assessed him the first time around, and the two, the NFL and the PA, said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at this. It's it, it's it's awful. It's exactly what they needed as far as dealing with with brain injuries. But uh, it's awful that it had to happen to Tua in back to back weeks. And you just to think he was let down by doctors is 
is a terrible feeling because those are the people you're supposed to trust with your with your well-being. Derek Taylor joining us live on 680 CJOB Coaches Show tonight. 7 till 8 with my head coach, Mike O'Shea, your texts and calls. And I still feel like, you know, that game went well, but I still feel like fans are going to have some questions. So we encourage them to pour them on into the text line and to call in. All yeah. right. Don't, no uh, first downs, I don't think, in the third quarter or or very few. Uh, but Peter said this on the text line this morning. Watching the Bombers Friday was like watching a cat play with food. A four-point lead, then boom, <laughs> two possessions, two long fields, uh, three out of four passes and a touchdown. This team is unbelievable. I think that's the prominent view of the Blue Bombers, but I think you're right. Uh, people want more. They want to know, uh, you know, how come – that lull in the third quarter might be at the top of the list for some. Absolutely, yeah. It was a weird one. Derek Taylor joining us live on CJOB. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, guys. And a reminder, if you want to win tickets for Saturday's game against Edmonton, we are asking you to text us about the the short-lived traditions, the rituals, the things that you look forward to every year, but maybe they're only around for a little while. Like this listener says, not sure if this if this one counts, but I always look forward to the Red River X every year in the summer. Of course that counts. That is a huge tradition in Winnipeg, but it's not here all that long. Man, when I was a kid, I looked forward so forward to the Red River X. So much fun. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We have bomber tickets to give away for Saturday's game. And a reminder that we are continuing to work out of separate studios, which means, unfortunately, sometimes we have to have uh, conversations live on the air. That should be held off the air. Uh, so I have to bring this to your attention, Greg, because we got a text that just came in as you went to read the weather. Okay. So I've put it in our script here. It's labeled winner option B. So just have a look at that. Yes, I did read it. And, and you have my endorsement. Okay. Yes. All right. So, um, but let's start with a few runners up here, like um, Cliff, who says my favorite summer tradition is that week we get to use the river walk and enjoy. The water's low enough. The smell of fish is gone, the path, <laughs> the path is dry, and the mosquitoes are not so bad that you can actually enjoy walking from the legislature to the forks. Ah, what a marvelous week of the summer that is. Well played, Cliff. Well played, friend. Debbie says, mint girl guide cookies. I love them and can never get enough of them. I hide them in different places in the house so my kids don't eat them all. LOL. A great tradition. Thank you, Debbie. Got to say, I don't like the mint ones. Oh. The other ones, I'm, I'll... I'll, I'll Eat them up. Yum. I had a box shipped. An old friend of mine from Isaac Brock lives in Seattle, Washington now, and her daughter is a girl guide. She sent me an entire case of the chocolate, the the, the mint uh, girl guide cookies from Washington State about eight years ago. Wow. Oh, so, so good. I think there's probably still some at uh, Polo Park. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the old station. <laughs> um, Christian says, one of my short-lived traditions is taking a dip on May long weekend in the lake. It is short-lived because usually the water temperature is so cold that I feel like my... Um, <clears throat> Well, uh, shrinkage. <laughs> I feel like they're in my throat. Gives a whole new meaning to short-lived. Interesting. Quote unquote. <laughs> Paulette says, for me, it's the treasured festival des voyageurs, and it's uh, contagious joie de vivre. Uh, how would we survive without this bright light in the dead of winter? No matter how cold it is, that toe-tapping music will warm any hearts, feet, and hands. That is my short live tradition and another runner up here one more and then we will read the winning text this one from rob who says i'm in two 
hockey leagues and I have three points teams in the office pools site. I check my phone every morning as well when I first get up looking at scores and seeing if anyone has sent or accepted trade requests. And this has to do with another uh, text that was sent earlier by somebody uh, who said that uh, you know, they, they look forward to the draft and then it's over and then you, you, you hope you get the first pick but you end up with the last pick and I just I, I always get a kick out of the, the, guy, the people who are into the fantasy sports because I uh, I don't know how it works, but I see how crazy people go for it. What a how much money do you think fantasy sports generates? A billions of dollars. Uh, some might argue it saved the NFL uh, gambling. Uh, certainly, you know, not that it was on the brink uh, brink of death, uh, death or anything, but in terms of its popularity, gambling really shot it to a next level in terms of its popularity and people this is the funniest thing about fantasy football I'll say this really quick brett the fact that there are people who will draft players and then cheer when that player gets a touchdown against their favorite team because it got them fantasy points <laughs> i find it fascinating that anyone would cheer a cowboy Dallas Cowboys fan would cheer when a Philadelphia Eagle would score a touchdown just because that individual's on your fantasy team but it might be a game winning touchdown against your favorite team it it makes no sense to me our winner is i believe would you say this would be pronounced Lucas that's the way I would pronounce it i hope i'm getting that right Lucas uh, forgive me if i'm not but uh, Lucas is the winner Talking about traditions that are too short, there's one that my people have in Poland, and we're going to have to look this up because this sounds fun. It's called Smigus Dingus. Have you ever heard of this? Poland's National Water Fight Day. Okay, it's a countrywide water fight <laughs> that goes back to our pagan days before we became Christians, and it's buckets of water, not little water pistols. It's amazing. Everyone joins in. doesn't matter inside or outside. Sounds like anarchy, and it sounds fun. We need to bring this to Canada. Lukasz, you win the bomber tickets. Congratulations.